following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. How many of you guys have seen the, uh, the TV special that's going on right now called The Bible? You guys, is that pretty cool or what? Yeah, it's on the, if you, don't, if you haven't seen it yet, they're playing it on Sunday nights at what time? Eight o'clock. It's on the History Channel. If you don't have it, you can pull it up on Hulu later on and watch it on your computer or something. But it's a really cool special they're doing on the Bible. And so far, it's been amazing. Uh, they did, you know, Noah and Abraham did a great job with these. And they actually, last week, stopped right where we've been going through the Bible, exactly where we are. And I love it because it's kind of like a, it was like a, a beautiful um, illustration of where we've been going as a church. And we've been looking at Israel. They've come out of Egypt. They were in the desert for 40 years. And then they got to the Jordan River. And the Jordan River was the barrier between the promised land and the desert. And we were saying how a lot of people in life are in that barrier place. You know God's got something that way, but you feel like there's a barrier keeping you between it. And what does it take to cross over the Jordan? We've been looking at what it takes to cross the Jordan and how God meets us and helps us with that. Uh, ironically, the TV special is literally at that point too. They, they just got on the promised land. They're ready to take Jericho. So it's tracking with us. So <clears throat> if you get a chance to check that out, please do so. But the theme throughout this section of scripture is that there are certain things in God's dealing with Israel, certain things that are blessable and certain things that are not blessable. There were certain things where Israel's like, God, we need your help. And God's like, great, I'd love to help you. But this thing here, I'm sorry, it's not blessable. I can't help you with that. And there's other things that God's like, beautiful, I can help you with that. And so we see this uh, dynamic of the things that God will bless and the things that God simply won't and can't bless. And if we are wise, we'll look at Israel's illustration and we'll apply this to our own lives saying, God, what sort of things will you bless and what sort of things won't you bless? How many of you guys would love to know that? The blessable things. I want to get in on all that because there's certain things that God simply goes, yeah, I hear your prayer and all, but um, yeah, I can't bless that. And there's other things that God's saying, if you would take these steps, I'm waiting to bless you. We do have Jordans to cross. There are territories to, to, that God's expecting us to, um, you know, to occupy the land, so to speak. Not in a physical, tangible sense that way, but spiritually. That's what God wants for his people, to be salt and to be light and to be a city on a hill. And God's saying, will you take the land? If you work with me, I can bless your steps. And so as we're looking at this next section today, I hope we can share the same heart condition with Israel. What we saw that in order for them to, for example, cross the Jordan, before they could cross the Jordan River, God says, there's something you have to do first. God has been saying all along, I will do my part, you do your part. And what he said with Israel, I know you want help getting across the Jordan, beautiful, I will meet you there and I will provide for you there, but listen, you got to do something first. Here's the prerequisite. Will you consecrate yourself was the term in the Bible. In other words, I'm going to do something really cool tomorrow. You're going to like it, but I can't do it until you consecrate yourself first. And that was the concept of let me take a moment to really stop and get my heart right. You know, you never stop and do some soul searching where you just kind of pull off for a while and you, you kind of just get alone with God and do some seriously deep soul searching 
Like, God, where am I at? What's going on in my heart? Why, where's my attitude these days? Have you guys ever done that? You know, that kind of thing. God's like, I want to do something in your life, but you got to stop and first consecrate yourself. So we saw with Israel that they consecrated themselves before they were able to cross the Jordan. They were getting their hearts right. And now today we're going to see another snapshot, and we're picking up in Joshua chapter 5. If you guys want to follow along, they just crossed over the Jordan. Um, it's exciting. Um, and God is with them, but there's a big city named Jericho in front of them. It's got some big walls with a lot of people, and they don't know how this is all going to happen, but uh, God is on their side. So if you, you got your Bibles or you have this on your phone, uh, follow along. Joshua chapter 5 says, Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over their hearts melted in fear, and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. So they cross over the Jordan. The other kings in the land, in the promised land, the land of Canaan, are saying, what? God did that for them? Oh, no. So the kings have heard the witness. They've heard the story. They've, they've seen the things God has done, and there's a concern. But yet Israel, we're going to see, coming up still has a big issue with, wow, that is a big city with big walls. How is this going to happen? God, we need your help. And if you're like me, you always need God's help. Um, if you ever get to a point in your life where you don't think you need God's help, then, then you probably don't understand God's economy very well. Uh, the economy of God is that he's the creator, the all-powerful. We always need his help. We always need his direction. Um, you know, it, it's... The Bible says it's not by strength nor by might, but by the power of my spirit, says the Lord. We always need his help. And our heart condition to be tuned in with God, to where, so we're in a place where God says, that's good, I like that, I can bless that. That ought to be our aim. That ought to be what we're saying. You know, God, that's what I want. I, I want your blessing. I want to walk in your will. Show me my part, God. I believe the word and I trust you will do your part if I do my part. And so it moves on in this Next section, God is going to bless them, but they have to do something. Now, this is a little unique to the Old Testament, the way we look at this, but I want you to track along because there is a principle here. There is a principle we're looking at that can radically change your life if you hold on to this. So let's see what Israel needs to do before they can have God's blessing in this next phase. It says in verse 2, At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Harlath. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness, wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. And all the people that came out had been circumcised. But all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age uh, when they left Egypt had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place. And these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They, They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in the camp until they were all healed. Now you're thinking, circumcision, what is up with this? How many of you guys are saying that right away? 
Like, what's up with the circuit? Couldn't you pick something better, you know? Yes, I could have picked something better. But when you're going through the word this way, this is what comes up. And there's a radical truth and premise. So don't check out on the circumcision thing because God wants all of you to know uh, something radically important about this. The prior generation, the prior generation, it's saying, were kept from the promised land. God wanted them in the promised land. They were made for the promised land, but they never got in the promised land because they had too much fear and not enough faith. They didn't believe God. They didn't walk in faith. And unfortunately, the prior generation died in the desert. They weren't made for the desert. That should not have been their destiny, but it is the destiny that they chose. And this says that God raised up their sons. God raised up their sons and daughters because God's saying, I'm making a people for the promised land, not for the desert. And so although the parents' generation didn't get it, this next generation does get it, and they do have faith, and they're not walking in fear, and God is raising them up. But the difference was everybody else who left Egypt was already circumcised, and all the people who were born in the desert weren't circumcised. And you're thinking, well, what's the big deal about circumcision? Well, you've got to go back in the history of Israel to Genesis chapter 17, and you've got to see where it all began. It all began with Father Abraham. Had many sons, right? Many sons had Father Abraham. Come on, guys, right? It all began with Father Abraham. He's the father of the faith. He's the father of the faith for Jews, for Christians. It all goes back. In fact, even the Muslims would look at Abraham as the, as the beginning. They don't, under, they don't agree with the sequence of, uh, of the, the, the sons and who inherited the land and how the sequence went after that. But Abraham, everyone would agree, Abraham is the father of faith. Isn't that pretty amazing? Christians, Jews, Muslims, all looking back then. And God said, Abraham, here is the sign that me and you are in an agreement. Here is the sign that me and you have a spiritual contract. Here is the sign that me and you have a covenant. It's going to be circumcision. And back then, circumcision is the sign of the covenant. Now, the thing I want to say about circumcision, and this is where I want you to think about your own life. Don't think about the physical, tangible sense of what happens physiologically with circumcision back then or now. That's not the point, but I want you to think about the magnitude of circumcision, what it is, because the New Testament talks about circumcision, and it's not talking about the old kind. It's talking about a different kind. But what circumcision is, is to cut away what is unproductive. To cut away what is unproductive. Uh, Has God ever busted you at some point where you're going along in life and you find out there's certain areas of your life that are just simply not productive anymore? Anybody? Yeah, he does does to me. He's constantly revealing things going, yeah, that might have worked back then, but that's not going to work where I'm taking you. And he reveals this part in your life where he's showing you, hey, son, this is permissible, but this is not beneficial anymore. Not where I'm taking you. You know, when I was a child, I used to think and act and speak like a child, but now that I've grown, I've put away childish things. God's like, yeah, I'm, I'm growing you up now, and I've got better things for you, and there's some Jordans to cross, and there's some things for you to, to walk in and a fulfillment, but you know what? You, you can't be in that same place you used to be. I'm calling you out. So when you think of circumcision, think of circumcision that way. It's the cutting away of what is unproductive. It's really our flesh nature. We have our spiritual nature and we have our flesh nature, which is like the worldly nature. That's what God's talking about. Yeah, some of that I got to cut away. You know, we say when we accept Christ, we say I've accepted Christ. I have Jesus. The question is, does Jesus have you? Because we say yes to him, but Jesus, for us to, for Jesus to have us, 
I don't know if it's ever dawned on you, but there's parts of us that Jesus just doesn't want. Have you guys thought about that? There's parts of us he does not want. There's part of us that he's like, you know, with all due respect, I can't do anything with that. That's the flesh nature. And he spent three years with the apostles working this stuff out. And all the disciples through the New Testament spent enough time with him where they're realizing, you know, some of this flesh has got to go away. Some of these areas got to go away because I need to be in the zone with God where I'm in great relationship with him and being used by God and walking in everything that he has for us. We've said in weeks past that there are too many Christians who have maybe left the bondage of Egypt, but they've never had the faith to cross over the Jordan and get in on the rest. And unfortunately, there's too many people that are camped out on the wrong side of the Jordan. And that's not God's heart. The next steps here, like he's telling Israel, is you consecrate yourself because tomorrow I'm going to do something great. And this next step here has to do with the circumcision. Now listen to this. When we look at Abraham, where circumcision began, God did an amazing thing in his life because there are only some things that can be done that God will do after circumcision. He's telling Israel, circumcise your sons Tomorrow I'm giving you the land. You've been waiting a long time for this land, but guess what? You're not having it yet. Circumcise yourself and tomorrow we'll talk about the land. Uh, these things in the Old Testament are foreshadows. They're, they're little snapshots for us to pick up and glean along the way. There's, the Bible's full of them. And some things can only be born after circumcision. In fact, think about this. Abraham was waiting forever to have a son. Forever. And he couldn't have one. And God said, circumcise yourself. That's going to be the sign of our relationship covenant. Abraham did it. And guess what? Then a son was born. Do you realize the son came after the circumcision? Is that cool or what? Israel's going to get into the land after the circumcision. Again, don't think physiologic. Don't think in the physical sense. But there's a spiritual reality even for believers to go, wow, God, is that how you work? Yes, be holy as I'm holy. There's some things that got to get cut off. There's some things that are not beneficial anymore. There's some things that if you do your part, God would say, I will do my part and I'll take you on the journey of a lifetime. But there are, there are too many today, I believe in the church, that when you start talking about areas of, of, of setting yourself apart or being, uh, the, the, the old school word is holy, but it should be a timeless word. We don't use the word holy anymore because we think of like an angel with a like, how many of you guys get the visual, right? You got the angel with the little, Halo rolling around, holy. No, that's not holy. Holy is just being set apart for God. It's being your unique self in this culture where God put you with all your diversities and past and everything that he's brought you through, but set apart for his glory. That is holy. But sometimes today when you talk about holy, some people will discount that, even Christians, as legalistic. Let me tell you something. Any believer who discounts holiness as legalism does not understand the economy of God. Anybody who just kind of goes, yeah, that stuff about being set apart holy and tries to just blow it off as some sort of legalism totally misses the heart of God. God Almighty, the creator, is saying, be holy as I'm holy. You're called the church. Ecclesia is the name in the Bible. That means you and I are the called out ones. Out of a society, out of a world, God's calling people out. We're the called out ones by nature. Called out ones can't just blow off this stuff and go, yeah, whatever, that's just... You know, that kind of stuff is just legalism. That's not legalism. The enemy would like you to think it's legalism. 
And the reason he does is because he knows that if we're in this zone with God of being set apart, of, of, of circumcising the things in our life, again, not physically, but spiritually, the things that there's no place for, if you and I are in that place, there's no stopping what the Spirit of God can do in our lives. Do you guys realize that? There's no stopping a family of believers, an army of God who understands this zone. But some will say, that's just legalism. I enjoy my liberties and I like to abuse grace. Unfortunately, that's kind of the climate of the church in America in many ways, not all the time, but in some cases where when you talk about holiness, it's just, that's just, that's legalism. We don't worry about that stuff. Hey, I'm saved. It's all good. Party's on, you know? And God's like, wow, I could see you're not ready yet. I, I could see you don't get it yet. I could see you don't understand my economy yet because when I bring people over the Jordan and when I give them a land to inherit, there are some pre-qualifiers for that. There's some prerequisites for that. And God's saying, I will always do my part. Would you do your part? And this is what it comes to. Basically, what God was saying to Abraham, God was saying, Abraham, I'm gonna do a miracle in your life, but I'm marking the very part of you that the miracle will come through. And I'm doing this so that you will forever remember who the source of the miracle is. Abraham never forgot a guy who can never have a child. And God took him through a circumstance, sign of the covenant, and says, God, I got it loud and clear. And then he would forever remember, can I just tell you, this child came from the Lord. He knew that forever. And all these promises, by the way, they're from the Lord. And in the book of Hebrews, it's talking about Abraham by faith, by faith, by faith. Abraham's like, no, I get it, I get it, I get it. I didn't used to get it, but I get it now. And that's what God's trying to do with the Israelites. Do you get it? Do you understand there are blessable things and things that I simply can't bless. Even if you pray for it, they're not blessable. There are things that God wants to do if we put ourselves in the right position. And it has to do with this circumcision really of, of things in our life that there's no place for anymore. If you're a note taker, please write these down. These are a couple of points that, that I think you can take home, apply to your life, and, and, and walk in a different dimension of God's blessing. I, re, I really do. I think Israel modeled this for us. The first one is, before you can cross any Jordans, consecrate yourself. Before you're going to go cross any Jordans, the, the Jordan is the obstacle. I came out of Egypt, I'm in the desert, but there's something else over there God has for me. In this case, it was the promised land, the land of Canaan, but I can't get there because there's a Jordan River to cross. God's like, I can deal with that Jordan. God's good with Jordan rivers. But God's like, well, you do your part. You consecrate yourself because tomorrow... I'm going to do great things. That's the theme with Israel. I believe it's the theme with us. If you want God to, 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 to kind of separate some waters and do some things, we got to own our part. Um, and it's to consecrate yourself. Get your heart right. Sit down with God. Get your heart right. Spend some time. Camp out with God and say, what do I got to do to get this heart right, God? I want to get my heart right. Because it's really, the heart condition is, is huge. It's enormous. It's like central to everything in God's economy. And the second one is this. Before you can possess the land which is different. Now it's crossing the Jordan and now it's actually going into this land. And I'm not talking about physically taking up territory and buying a bunch of real estate. Again, don't look at this like secular that way. But God has plans for you. God has things of inheritance for his people. Can't tell you the details exactly what that is for different people. This is not a name it and claim it thing, but there are plans he has for you for a hope and a future and to prosper you. He told them, if you do these things, you will have success in the lands. This is God's words, not mine. 
if we're going to walk that stuff out, there's some things that we have to do. And the second point is before you can possess the land, circumcise yourself. No one can do it for you. Circumcise yourself. This is not physical. We're not talking physical at all. The New Testament says we're not even talking physical. We're talking about heart conditions and mindsets of a believer who say, you know what, it is probably time for these unproductive, unbeneficial things to go away so I can run the race better and I can be more locked in with God. And this is, this is a choice. This is self-inflicted. No one can do this for you. No one can make you do this. Some people say, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And unfortunately, they spend their rest of their life on the wrong side of the Jordan River. How many people have you known that you knew God had a call in their life and they had great capacity and God was doing great things, but, but they're, they're not around anymore? Does anybody show a hands? Yeah, for some reason, they didn't want to do these steps and they end up spending the rest of their life on the wrong side of the Jordan. They weren't made for the desert. They were made for a different land. And I believe God is calling his people today in the church in LA, I believe, to a whole different level of what he wants to do in our city. But he's looking for people like he always does. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for hearts that are completely his so he can strongly support them. That's the heart of our God. He found that with Israel and a nation. He found that with a generation that was willing to cross. Jesus found that with the 12 and the 70 and the 120 and the 3,000 and on and on and on, looking for hearts of people that were set apart for him that are willing to say, you know what? If it's time for stuff to go, I'm good with that, God. And there's a whole group of other people going, no, nothing's gonna go in my life. God's like, well, If that's the way you want it, that's unfortunate. But I can't bless all your requests. I can't answer your prayers because unfortunately there's some unblessable things in our lives, sometimes even things we ask for. So before you can cross any Jordan, consecrate yourself, get your heart right. Before you can possess the land, circumcise yourself. That's sitting down with God and saying, God, what is unproductive in my life? What is unbeneficial? What maybe used to work a few years back but doesn't anymore to where you're calling me? Like the song, take me to a higher ground. God's like, do you really want a higher ground? I mean, you're singing that or do you mean it? Because if you mean it, if you want a higher ground in your life, I'll do my part, you do your part. A lot of times we just think, no, it's all cake and eat it too. You know, I said that prayer once a long time ago about Jesus. I got Jesus, it's all good. I just do whatever I want to do. God's like, you don't understand my economy. He's like, you're my son, you're my daughter. I love you. There's a hope and a future but please understand my economy. Do your part. I will do my part. The Bible calls it repentance. It calls it areas in our life where we turn or, or choose to change. And if you're like me, no one has this down. I'm, I'm constantly, God showing me areas I need to repent, going, yeah, that, yeah, let's, let's, let's make an adjustment there, son. And the best thing we could do is not fight it and go, okay, God, I'll make an adjustment there. He's like, beautiful, keep coming. I could bless that. That's the modality of God in his kingdom and his economy. Now, circumcision physically was an Old Testament thing that was kind of a, well, it was a mandate. It was a sign of a covenant, just like I wear my wedding ring as a sign of a covenant. Uh, In in, in America, Western civilization and other civilizations around the world, uh, a wedding ring is a sign of a covenant. And so when people see a ring on this ring finger, they know that person is in covenant. I mean, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. That's what it means. People also see when there is no ring on that ring finger, they assume naturally that you're not in covenant, right? Isn't that what we think? That you're not in covenant and that you're available. That's what it says. So all that to say, if you're married and you don't wear a wedding ring, a little prophetic utterance for you today, 
Put your ring on, y'all. Okay? Put your ring on. Don't say, oh, the metal bothers me. How many of you heard? Well, yeah, well it kind of bothers me, right? You guys heard this stuff. I don't wear one, it bothers me. Get over it. <laughs> Circumcision was a sign of covenant. There was a little pain to it. If your ring bothers you, get over it. You know, get over it. Get, make one out of hardwood. Make one out of black onyx. I don't get plastic if you want. You know, get it from a bubble gum machine or something. But put a ring on. Put a ring on. Okay? It's a sign of covenant. It's a symbol. <laughs> it was the same for... It was the same for Israel. Circumcision was a sign of the covenant. In the New Testament, circumcision of a different kind is a sign of a covenant. In the New Testament, there's evidences in the life of a believer, not physical, but things that show that in our life. Um, For example, when we have a circumcised heart, we're not talking physical, a heart condition of people that said, I've chosen to cut away this, and that and this other thing to be set apart for God. That is evident. People can see that. People can sense that. They can feel that. They can observe that. That is a consecrated heart for, for uh, the living God. Uh, in fact, here's a couple things. You might want to write these down if you um, want to go a little further on this. But Galatians 6.15 says this. This is a New Testament uh, talking about circumcision because in Galatians... There were Jewish believers, Jewish people who believed in the Messiah, were telling the Greek people who believed in the Messiah, now that you believe in Jesus, now you've got to go back and get physically circumcised. And Paul's like, whoa, 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 time out. No, 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 no. That doesn't matter anymore. No one has to physically do that. If you want to, great. You don't have to do it. It's not a requirement. It's not a law. We're not talking about a physical mandate to be right with God. And this is what it says in Galatians 6, 15. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything what counts is a new creation. See, God's looking for that new creation. And when people say yes to Jesus and they're willing to cut off some things in their life, that's a real clear evidence of a new creation. But there's some that want to say this magic prayer and say, yeah, I like the idea about Jesus. I'm going to pray for him, but I'm not changing anything. God's like, yeah, unfortunately, there's no, there's no new creation in that. There's no new creation in that. So uh, Philippians 3.3 says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He's saying in this, it's like the circumcision is not about the Jewish or the Greek people who actually had a circumcision or not. He goes, no, we're the circumcised. We're the ones cut off for the glory of God. We cut ourselves off from things that were not beneficial in the world anymore. There's an evidence in our life that we're cut off, we're set apart for God. And that's what he's saying. We are the ones who serve God by his spirit. We're, we are the circumcision. That's a pretty cool statement. And I love this one, Colossians 2.11. Uh, this is out of the Good News Translation. It says this, In union with Christ, you were circumcised, not with the circumcision that was made by human beings, but with the circumcision made by Christ, which consists of being freed from the power of this sinful self. He's saying right there in Colossians, Paul's saying, boy, this, this earth suit of ours is capable of a lot of damage. You guys ever realize that? You know, in, in the, the nature, the human nature, the flesh nature, the soulish nature, these are the terms the Bible uses, the carnal man, the Bible uses a lot of these terminologies to represent what, what we're capable in and of ourselves. But the Spirit of God in us wants to lead us to a higher ground. The Spirit of God wants to take us to different places. But there, there tends to be this ongoing battle with the, with the flesh nature. And what he's saying right here is in union with Christ, you've already been circumcised, but not by human hands. 
You've been circumcised by Christ. And this is what it consists of, being freed from the power of this sinful self. So there's a reality in our life when there's things and there's areas. We all sin and fall short. The Bible says there'll be this thing going on, you know, until we are made perfect in his presence and we see him face to face. There is an ongoing battle with the natures. But now sin becomes the exception of the rule. It doesn't become the rule. It used to be the rule. Sin was the rule. But now it's the exception of the rule. And so our job is when stuff comes up in our life, especially things that are repeated things in our nature that come up, whether they're things with what we hear or what we say or our heart condition, what we think and feel about people, when this stuff keeps coming up, God's saying, can we stop and do a little surgery in this area? This is saying that we're circumcised by Christ to cut away uh, sinful self. Listen, when there's things that keep coming up and it's an ongoing thing, God's like, look, I want to take you to higher ground, but can we stop and deal with some things? With Israel's like, I want to take you there, but can we stop in the desert at this place called Gilgal? Can we stop and camp out here for a second? Can we just forget about the future for one moment? And can we deal with some things right now so that you can be ready for the future? That's the heart of God with us too. He stopped me many times in my life where he says, son, we got we to camp out here for a little bit and deal with some things. And as long as we're open to that, it's a beautiful, glorious journey. When we want to start ignoring that stuff and go, no, I'm good, that's when we start missing out on stuff. We really start missing out on stuff when that happens. So the circumcision that we're talking about is circumcised hearts, circumcised lips, circumcised ears. This is a great place to start. It's, it's talking about the cutting away of unnecessary flesh. So when you think about your heart conditions or our lips or our ears, for example, and I'm just going to hit these briefly, but I really want to encourage you to go home in your prayer time, in your devotional time, and camp out with God a little bit. Have your own little personal Gilgal. That's the city. They stopped and they camped out and they dealt with some circumcision stuff. I'm going to encourage you to have your own little time. In fact, after the service, our prayer team is going to come up and pray uh, for everybody and anyone in any area. But the reality is when this stuff comes up, we realize, you know what? Yeah, there's probably something that does need to get cut away. And we're not talking, again, the physical sense. We're talking the spiritual realities of our flesh nature. Um, Here's a little quick uh, overview. For example, circumcision of the ears. If you really want to have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying which he wants us to be led by the Spirit and sense what the Spirit's doing, then what condition are our ears in in the first place? For example, if you, if you heard somebody talk about you, do you hear things with a sense of offense, being offended? Or do you maybe hear the hurt of the person who might have spoke about you? You see the two different ways you can hear things? If somebody spoke about you, do you hear their hurt or do you only hear the offense that you're offended? At? This is like, there's two completely different ways of hearing things, for example. And I would say consecrated ears take the higher road. They're in a different place. They're like, yeah, that might be offensive, but there's something bigger going on here. God, show me what it is. Oh, wow. That's an interesting way to hear things, isn't it? But do you see how that's a higher ground? You see how that's not a reaction to the flesh? Does that make sense, guys? That's not like a, well, I can't believe somebody said that, the nerve of them. And all of a sudden you're off on a flesh tangent when God's like, ah, yeah, can we, can we go a little higher on that one by now at this age in life? You know, can, can we get a little higher than that? You know, when we were a child, we used to act and think like a child. That's the way kids do it. But, 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 but aren't I raising you up to a different level? So when you hear something like that, 
rather than the offense and running right there, can you maybe go with maybe somebody was hurt and something was coming from a place of hurt? And what can be your part in reconciling that? Wow, that's the high road. There's one way of circumcising our, our ears, what we hear. Circumcise, circumcision of the lips. This is cutting away gossip and complaining in our life. Now, we think this is light, but if you do a fresh read of the New Testament, you're going to see how much, talk, much it talks about gossip and complaining. Two, Bibleism is sins, but things that were like, well, whatever, I'm totally entitled to gossip and complain. <laughs> I love God. I try to love people, but I can gossip. How many people really think it's like it's legit, right? Come on, right? It feels legit to be able to complain or to gossip. The Bible's saying, no, it's not legit. That's what kids do. That's what, you know, I'm trying to raise you up to another level, and there's a level of blessability and and in this area of me pouring out my spirit, God would say, and meeting you, can, can you choose to do this? No one can do it for you, and God's not going to do it for you. This is where you partner with God and say, God, I want to go to a higher ground. I want to consecrate my lips. The first thing that is Isaiah did in the presence of God in the book of Isaiah, he's in a worship experience. He actually meets with God, and the first thing he's like, oh, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. I cannot believe I am in your presence. In other words, the first thing he realizes is his own condition. Beautiful place to start. You know what God Almighty did? God's like, I got an app for that, Isaiah. God reaches over to the fire on the altar, takes some coals, and touches them on his lips. Not coals that burn, coals that heal and touches his lips because Isaiah was willing to confess and get with God in an area like, oh man, I got a lip problem, God. I complain, I gossip, I slam. I don't know what he does, but whatever it is, he's like, oh man, I got a problem here. God's like, that's, that's good. Thank you for confessing it. I can work with that. See how God is? He's so gracious that way. He's like, God's filled with mercy and grace. He's like, I can work with that. Hold on one second. Takes a tongs and gets a coal from the altar and goes, not a burn, but a heal. And now Isaiah, the one with unclean lips, is ready to prophesy to a nation. Do you see the difference? That's what God does when we're willing to come to him and be able to do these things. That's what Israel did in this town called Gilgal. Before we go anywhere, any promised land, God, we're going to camp out. We're going to deal with some stuff. Whatever it takes, we'll do business with you, God, because we know you got greater things on the other side. We're not afraid to do business. We're not afraid to admit our condition. We know that you have a cure for these things, God. Um, the other one is, uh, is circumcision of the heart. Circumcision of the heart is a huge one. That's when, when pride gets in the way and our ability in ourself and our own gifts, our own talents, our own ability, our own experience. We start to get in this place where God's like, yeah, you know, we forget that God can speak through donkeys, if you ever read that in the Old Testament. We forget that God can raise up the stones. Even the stones will cry out and shout out. We forget and we think that maybe God's using us and we got this gift or this thing. Yeah, God is, but it's by his grace. He can erase somebody, he can raise somebody else up just like that. You know, God uses us despite of us. And there's something profound about pride in the Bible. Pride comes before the, the fall. God disposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Those who humble themselves in the sight of the Lord, he will lift them up. There's this thing in God's economy about humility, not a false humility, a true humility, a heart condition that's circumcised that God's like, now that heart I can use. And the Bible is full of stories of people like Gideon, people like Mary, people all through the Bible where God's like, yeah, that's a humble heart. I can use that heart in a profound way. 
And so it's really important in this area too of circumcision to circumcise our hearts where there's new levels of integrity and new levels of, of humility where we literally say, God, and this is a cool prayer John the Baptist said, God, may I decrease so that you can increase. How cool is that? Literally, I will decrease, God, if that's what it takes for you to increase. And God's like, wow, I can use that heart. But some are saying, no, God, I just want to increase. And I don't know where you fit into this, but I hope you bless me. I want to keep increasing, God. Just keep blessing me. Yeah, I don't know if that's God's economy all the way. And so there's these things about circumcising our ears, our lips, and our hearts. In fact, that's the third note today if you're a note taker. Um, there's, there's crossing the Jordans through consecrating ourselves. There's circumcising ourselves if we want to possess the land. And the third one is specific to circumcise your heart, your ears, and your lips. And um, I want to close up in this last section of Scripture because it, it finishes up pretty well here in verse 9. It says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, this is after they've circumcised the troops, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, so the place has been called Gilgal to this day. Now briefly what that means is after the surgery, God took away the word their reproach. It was their shame. Now here's what's an interesting thing about it. They're the chosen people. They're God's people. And yet they're walking through life with stuff on their back that they didn't have to carry. They're walking through life with a burden of shame. And you know what? God wants to take away all that shame. God doesn't give us shame. The devil would like us to feel shamed. But God doesn't shame his people. He doesn't shame people. And this is like they're, they're, they're the chosen people. They're walking with the shame. After the circumcision, they were free from shame. And then they named the place Gilgal, meaning this is the place where God rolled back your shame. God took away things you've been carrying. Is that cool? It's a name of a place where God takes stuff away. I'm hoping we can have our own little moment at Gilgal after the service in, in just a minute here. Uh, in fact, this would be a good time for the worship team to come up as I close out on these things where you can literally come up and pray for an area that you sense God is calling you to, this is time to cut this away and cut this away and cut this away. It's your choice. No one can do it for you. But our prayer team, our deacons, leaders want to come up here and pray with you. God is doing radical things through prayer. The last section says this in verse 10. It says, On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. So here's the thing. For 40 years, they're eating manna in the desert. God is making this bread-like substance appear on the ground and it's totally nutritious. It's totally adequate. It's not the spices of Egypt, but it's adequate and it's sufficient. And when God provides, there's always a sufficiency in what he provides. And yet, they celebrate the Passover, which was a required feast day for Israel. We're going to have a celebration next week on Passover. And immediately after they obey God with this Passover celebration to remember the great things God does, immediately after that, they finally, after 40 years, get to enjoy the fruit of the land. And they're out there roasting up their toasted almonds, throwing it on their salad, eating this all big old organic, big old whooped up thing. I mean, they're eating all kinds of fruit of the land, stuff they haven't had in 40 years, stuff they didn't even know what it tasted like. 
there was a fruit of the land to be enjoyed that came through their obedience. And I just think that's an amazing thing because after they did this, it says the very next day, there was no more manna. Didn't need it anymore. God had a whole new sense of provision. And so we're going to close in prayer right now. And I just want to ask you guys to really just check your heart on some things because God wants to do greater things in your life. He wants to take you places you have not been. He wants to take you places that you don't know about because we haven't been there before, both individually and collectively. God is saying, look, I will do my part. Will you do yours? And I'm hoping that we're a people that's not like the previous generation that said, no, God, and died out in the desert. I hope we're the ones like the new generation saying, yes, God. If there's a land to possess, we want to walk with you in this. If there are things that you have planned for us, a fulfillment of destiny and the the way you designed us and the things that you have planned from the foundations of the world, the Bible says, that he created us for good works in Christ Jesus. The Bible talks about all kinds of things of God's plans in the lives of believers. And if we really want to get in on them, we have to say, God, I know you'll do your part. I am ready to do my part. Amen? You You guys down with that? All right, let's close in prayer. Mighty God, uh, thank you for your word. I thank you for Israel's example for us, Lord God. I pray you would show us what it, what it means to really uh, to consecrate ourselves, to set ourselves apart, saying, wait a minute, I don't belong to the world. I belong to God. I'm set apart for him. So because of that, I need to check my heart on some of these areas and, and get my direction right before you, God, because if I consecrate myself tomorrow, you will do great things, you told Israel. I believe in our lives you're going to do some great things as well. If we're willing to do our part, we know you're willing to do yours, God. And this next one, Lord, on circumcision, Lord God, that, that if we would choose, Lord God, just get with you and you reveal to us right now by your Holy Spirit, what areas of our life is a time to us to choose to start cutting some things off? Not in a bad way. This is not a punishment. This is a liberty. These are things that are not good for us. These are things that there's not a life and a future. There's no power in these things, God. There's no liberty. There's no, there's no life in them, God. Would you show us what they are? And Lord, maybe we'd be a people that says, we're not going to fight you on this, God. We will circumcise our ears. We will circumcise our lips. We'll circumcise our heart because we're not even really our own. We were bought with a price. We're yours, God. You died for us. We didn't just accept you, Jesus. We gave you our lives. And because of that, there's, there's, we want to walk with you and we want to get rid of things that, that have no benefit, God. And that's really what this is, the heart conditions and the mindsets of things that don't have any benefit in our life. And we exchange those for things that have profound benefit. And you know better than anyone, Father, what those things are. Would you help us to do that, God? Would you help us to be people that do that, Lord? I just want to pray, Lord, with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed. Maybe some of you this morning are saying, you know, it is time to take God up on this next step of this commitment, not just believing in him, but literally following him and throwing some things off. The Bible calls it repentance, where we just say, you know, it's time for me to turn and start getting some traction walking with Jesus because he is real and he is alive and now is the time and I can't wait till tomorrow. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to agree with you this morning in prayer. Amen. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else that's saying, yeah, Amen. Anybody else is saying, it's time now, hallelujah. Just, you know, search your heart, amen. Just keep putting your hand up. This is, God is pleased. God is pleased with that heart condition. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.